The Incomparable. Number 463. June 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to talk about a uh, television series that uh, obscure a premium cable television series that concluded. And uh, we're going to, yeah, everybody knows it's Game of Thrones. Let's talk about it. Here are my panelists, Dan Morin. Hello. <laughs> Jason, I've been on four podcasts at 10 p.m. this week, so what is dead may never die. May never die. Indeed. Kathy Campbell is here. Hello. Hello. I drink and I know something uh Ke- kelly gamont uh fire and blood <laughs> uh you know uh he who passes the sentence really should swing the sword here we are to swing a sword right and uh my compatriot for many 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 years of game of thrones flashcasts mr monty ashley hello uh i don't get it winter came they just kept making the show <laughs> <laughs> eight seasons of game of thrones finished with six episodes some of them very very long some of them very long i guess would be the best way to describe it and look uh this is this was a a show that got an enormous amount of scrutiny it's one of the most successful tv shows of the last decade and uh lots of talk they they spent a huge amount of money on it uh huge scrutiny uh finishing off a story that started in a bunch of books and then ran far far past the books uh presumably following the author's outline at least to some degree although i think that's not entirely clear um, and, you know, it, it now is time for them to bring this story to a conclusion. And obviously, that was quite controversial. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe I'll take this in terms of the segments of the season, because the season kind of was chopped up into a couple of different parts. There is the kind of initial prep, which is the war against the White Walkers. And then there's the resolution of the kind of Daenerys and who's going to sit on the Iron Throne and Cersei and all of that that happens in the uh, the last few episodes. So maybe maybe we'll start uh, with, the, with the first portion. Um, we get, in, in these six episodes here, we get a, uh, a couple of very talky, character episodes where we get to pay off a bunch of things from previous seasons and a bunch of characters talk to one another about like their relationships and about their hopes and all that and i i i know that may be coming across like i find found it uh boring i did not i thought it was actually pretty great that all these characters who we've been watching for seven years and we aren't going to see very much longer get to have conversations about what they're going to do if they survive and and uh you know sort of say their goodbyes if they're not going to survive this oncoming battle with the with the Night King and his army. Um, so uh, we're going to open it up. Uh, how do people feel about this first part of the season? Uh, the the talky parts, and then of course the, the the episode where there's very little talking because it's all just fighting for uh, for an hour and a half. In in retrospect, I feel like the talky episodes at the beginning of the season might be my favorite part of this last season mm-hmm. <laughs> because I feel like it does pay off all those character beats, and I'm a sucker for characters and. Uh, before you sort of get into the battle against the the Night King and thus the subsequent game of Thrones itself, you get a nice tie-off with all these things, and it, the plot is going to start railroading everything, you know, midway through the season. So I, I felt like I really enjoyed those episodes, even though they are very talky, um, because it did reflect all those characters that we have become so attached to over eight seasons. And that that felt like a a good payoff and a good reward to me in a way that like the f- barreling freight train of the plot was not always. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent, especially 
the, these first two episodes specifically really feel like the characters are saying goodbye to the audience as well. Um, it didn't feel over the top, like no one broke the fourth wall and said, hey, or anything <laughs> like that. But it still had these things that we wanted, you know, these connections for these characters that we have grown to, if even if we don't love them, like we know their story, we know their plot line, we know everything that they've been through, and getting to see them just interact. And I think if I rewatch the season, maybe not anytime soon, but when I do rewatch it, I'm really going to be able to settle in on these conversations because it's Game of Thrones. So you're like, okay, someone's going to come out and stab someone or you're gonna die or the night king's gonna come and like yes the way that waiter with the meat it's actually the night king Ah! (laughs) that was why my drink was so cold (laughs) is is that character secretly Arya? is that oh (laughs) right yes yes the uh, that's the other part that i as we get to Mm -hmm. the second half we'll talk about that but that whole wrap up of the characters I thought was just beautifully done. They really paid honor to every interplay between all of these people. You know, it just, it was beautifully done. Yeah. The scenes where everybody's hanging out at Winterfell and they finally have a moment to like, look at each other, take a breath and say, wow, it's been a crit. I last saw you seven seasons ago. (laughs) How's it been going for you? Do you remember, Podrick, that you were my Tyrion's squire for like two seasons? That seems like an eternity ago, doesn't it? <laughs> right. The uh, the Jorah and um and John and John trying to give the sword to Jorah yes. because John and this is a you know a character that's not even there anymore. The old bear Gior Mormont, but who was like a a a, a, a mentor to John and then died and. You know, he he now meets his son, and he says, "Oh, this is your family sword, and I know there's a a, a wolf on it, but you could take that off. I'm pretty sure you should have it back." And he's like, "No, <laughs> no, no, driver, it's fine. It's yours." And it's and that's a really emotional moment because because hanging over it is the fact that he betrayed his family, and that this this kid has got his family sword and actually had a uh, a relationship with his father that was positive, and and it's like all of his regret, and mm-hmm. and you know, it's just like that is when 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 done right like that is the weight of 69 episodes of television uh on these characters where they can do something like that and it's just two guys talking about a sword how important could it be but it's actually quite emotional on a level if you remember which is hard sometimes all the characters (laughs) well and like a lot of people said those first two episodes should have just been one longer episode put together so that we could get to the battle sooner and I completely disagree because I feel like that first episode was sort of getting the audience back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Here's these people. We've got a whole bunch of characters all in the same place, which never happens. If you've been watching the show, you know that we scattered everyone to the winds at the end of the like first episode. And, and you know, we've, we've put a few together here and there in various combinations since, but uh, 
you know, for the most part, there were a lot of those weighty interactions, Jason, like you're talking about with Tyrion and Sansa. Oh, remember? They were married. And then like, what about these two? And how about this conversation? And isn't this interesting? And when the Hound comes across Arya. And it was really nice to have that first episode to sort of get us back into the swing of things. And then I feel like the second episode was the characters getting that chance to sort of check in with everybody like we all got as viewers in the first episode. So I really liked that they were separate and how that broke down. I'm not sure whether I have a theory, but I don't know if it's real, which is that there are two types of Game of Thrones viewers and they're the people who are in it for the, you know, spectacle and the character stuff kind of happens along the way. I don't know if those people exist or not, but and, and maybe they do and they're more casual viewers. But for me, it's like the other people are the people who have watched you know, 70 hours of these characters and how they intertwine and go their separate ways and then come back. And some of them don't make it, but they're, they're remembered by the people who do and all of that. Um, and so, so likewise, I feel like these first two episodes and the fourth episode to a certain degree are all about all of that. And then the other episodes are lots and lots of action. Episode three being a, a perfect example of that. And like, I don't know, like, for, for, I, I guess there are both kinds of, of viewers, but it's hard for me to put my mind in the other thing. Because while I like a good, well-executed action scene, you know, the the truth is that you can't, you can't do episodes that are just action on a TV show until season eight when they give you a huge amount of money. Instead, you have to spend a lot of time <laughs> on things that aren't CGI dragons, like relationships between well, characters. And pacing is important too, right? You need room to breathe between those giant action sequences. And I think this allows the moments for the characters to do that uh, and sort of have a slower paced scene to give you a rest from that onslaught of like constant action. So I, I think it's necessary. You can't sustain that level of tension you know obviously for six episodes right like i think some people went in thinking like this is just going to be an adrenaline thrill ride from episode one to episode six it's literally it's like just that, a dragon for six uh, hours yeah, exactly <laughs> especially if it's been 20 months since the last right, episode exactly and there's a million characters that you have to really try to like recognize everybody you have to spend some time reintroducing the world because nobody remembers all these guys yeah. unless the first episode is just a dragon like setting on fire like 75 percent of the cast and, oh, problem solved it's true. i remember that person anyways turns out kit harrington had something better to do they have they hold a mixer everybody's got a hello my name is tag and then a dragon comes and burns them all alive and then that's it. Well, jason i think you might be partially right about there being two kinds of fans but i think there are the fans who watched 70 hours of of television and there are the fans who watched 140 hours of television or 210 hours of television the people who didn't sit through all of these once right right that that you go back and then you then you knew, do know who that guy is uh, right which I and don't. then <laughs> those little things from before pay off so big yeah. later to, to remember because you remember those things as you go back i can also i we are watching this um i assume all of us from the perspective of having watched this show for a while and I wonder sometimes how the how it will play when they don't have that long wait, like Monty mentioned. Like I, I feel that way about a lot of shows. Like Lost is a good example of that, where that's a show that had its momentum sapped so often by reruns. And you know, I, I feel like that experience of watching that show where there are no eight week gaps, and then twelve week gaps, and then you know a, a summer gap. Uh, might be a much better experience. I would imagine that you can maybe hold Game of Thrones in your head a little bit better if you watch it over the course of a month instead of over the course of nine years. Absolutely. And certainly then you won't get annoyed by, like, let's say Dorn. 
<laughs> didn't seem super relevant at the time. But if it only takes up like a small segment of your own time, you might not feel like it's an irrelevant season right and if you're not right. spending all your time wondering oh are they gonna go back there what's gonna happen it's like no yes. they're not there it's not Mm-mm. so that third episode the long night is uh, a fight in the darkness with the army of the dead uh famous on the internet and elsewhere for the ongoing conversation about uh one was it too much <laughs> two could you see anything uh, the director of photography, I think, said something like, this is what I- I'm going to do a voice for him. I don't actually know what Ooh. he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what we planned. This is this is how the show is. <laughs> That's who he is, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, I a uh, lot of mixed feelings about it where I think the people who are craving action got what they wanted. Um, I thought it was too much. Famously on our Flashcast, I was kind of in the middle of thinking it was flawed but that i like parts of it uh brian hamilton who was on that with me and monty like loved it and um monty monty couldn't see it because it was shot so dark that basically um it was not viewable at which point monty made the point i came all this way and you have this climax of your show and you shoot it in such a way that anybody who doesn't have the most high-end perfectly calibrated television can't see what's going on which i gotta say I think a fair point, especially since we had that, we talked about it on Sunday night and over the next three or four days, there were a billion articles on the internet of people saying much the same thing. So validation there, Monty. And now I've seen the uh, sort of making of documentary that they put on a week after the finale where they talked about how much effort they put into their 16 weeks of night shoots. Yeah. And Man, I feel bad for them because it's so bad. <laughs> like l- legitimately, I could not see 70% of this climactic episode and they worked so hard on it and guys, you have got to keep in mind that it's a television show and people's home equipment has a wide mm-hmm. range of quality. And yeah. I was watching it on an HDTV and I don't want anyone else to complain that I should upgrade my television. Yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, not. I, man. So I actually, I watched this episode in a crowd of like 15 people in a hotel room after a convention. Oh, fuck. Projected on a sheet against the wall. So even though, so I was with all of these people. And so I have these great memories on this episode. And yet I couldn't see a whole lot of what was happening. And so then to come to find out that that was not just because I was in a hotel room with a projector against the wall was really like surprising to me almost that these were decisions that were made because I was after I watched it and I saw all the complaints, I was like, okay, I can't say anything because my experience was completely out of the realm of normal watching. So it it just makes me very sad that more people had that experience but didn't have the big group of friends to watch it with. I found myself very like I didn't know about any of the controversy until it was over cuz we watched it. I don't have a particularly great TV. It's like 5 or 6 years old that I haven't really done that much to it. I don't know if it's cuz we watched with our lights off or whatever. It seemed fine like it was dark but it wasn't like I did not have the the clearly the problems that so many other people did. And so I think that wasn't for me like it didn't affect my enjoyment of it as much like i wasn't thinking about that the whole time and as a whole i feel like i came down 
more where Jason lies. And like, there were things I really liked about this episode, um, but there were things that I also felt like from just a like plot perspective and things like that, that were like a little bit disjointed and so on. Um, but I, I certainly didn't have as, as negative an experience as a lot of people seem to have, but they, that's not to discredit any of that. Like clearly if this many people are upset about it, something wrong was done somewhere along the way. Yeah. I think that fundamentally they made an assumption about, um, they made an artistic decision, and the problem with that is it's one thing if you can control the environment in the movie theater and all of that, although even then on home video, if nobody can see it, people are going to complain <laughs> about it. Right. But knowing that this is just debuting on TV and that cable companies and, and uh, streaming are going to degrade it, and you know people's TVs are going to be set with all sorts of different settings, like it feels like they pushed this too far and i have no doubt that it looks beautiful in a properly calibrated thing on a on a like a high bit rate uh, download or on a, a blu-ray or something like that or in a movie theater but you know i don't know it's it's a shame that it came down to if you're in a certain portion of the audience you're just not going to enjoy this yeah i do commend them at least for the like shooting all the night stuff in in terms of just like like Monty was saying, like their their sort of ambition with that because you know we've all seen stuff I think that's you know shot and they try to make it look like night <laughs> yeah day for night where it looks it looks like d- the daytime but blue <laughs> yeah day yeah. for night is is super yeah. weird I saw enough of it that I could I could tell what was going on I could track all of it um it did it was dark um it wasn't at my house anyway it was not unviewably dark uh but for me the thing about this episode was that everything I liked. Everything I liked about it had nothing to do with Game of Thrones. Hmm. Like, as a slab of action, I thought it was great. Like, if you sat somebody down in front of it who had no idea who any of these people were, had no investment in any of these characters, didn't really care what the story was that was being told, and you just told them, like, it's an hour and a half of fantasy straight-up battle, there's some dead people... And there's some living people and they're duking it out. Like anybody who's going to sit down to that with a tub of popcorn is going to be totally happy with what they got. As far as I can tell, like all of the pieces of it that didn't really have anything to do with the characters or the plot or the world or, or any of that stuff. I thought all of that stuff was really, really great. And I enjoyed it for what it was. But as like, as a slab of action, like I said, it was great as a slab of game of Thrones. uh, I didn't, find it all that compelling for at, at least for me it it cheats a lot too and and it's funny this came up I, I was i was listening to somebody else talk about it and and after we had talked about it and i was like oh okay it, good it's not just me there are lots of scenes where characters are completely surrounded by zombies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you cut back to them 10 minutes later and there were a few zombies around and they're beating them off with a sword and i thought these don't go together like you can't like it's not playing fair because you're the way we've seen these things they're incredibly dangerous and yet you just leave these characters in a cliffhanger essentially where they're they're facing certain death and you cut back later and they're like oh they're fine it turns out they're fine and and it it undercuts the severity of it to do that i i wanted a little more strategy throughout the the fight um I, there are moments i love i really love when aria gets inside winterfell and she's using her knowledge of the geography yes. of her home where she grew yeah. up in order to try to avoid zombies i thought that was really really well done i enjoy the scene where john ends up uh 
it, it, it builds to the moment where John is going to take on the Night King, and the Night King sort of turns and is like, no, and raises all the dead around him. <laughs> really, yeah. really yeah. good. I like that. I like some of the stuff down in the crypts, where it's a terrible place to send people. <laughs> Everybody mm-hmm. saw that coming, except the people. They haven't seen, there are no zombie movies in Westeros, is the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even Arya's turn, while I love the fact that Arya ends up being the one to kill the Night King, comes out of nowhere and i get like they wanted it to be a surprise but i kind of wanted something connecting it to it because she just disappears a little little build up a little bit more like they wanted to be a surprise but a little bit more build up and also although i get it it is super hackneyed for theon to basically be like (laughs) like excuse me bran i must now be killed in order to satisfy my character arc right and he just yeah. runs at guys who are going to kill him and it's like you know why did you do th- no uh, why why see i didn't mind theon because that was one of the points where i'm like all right they gave him an arc he's done compare <laughs> that to like the way varus went out why did we spend all that time with Varys then what was the point of him Theon had a character arc he went through some stuff he said no I'm gonna be a hero now good I thought good for Theon yeah but he is just killing himself there but okay this episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Linode, and I mean that because Linode is where TheIncomparable.com is hosted. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds. I just did this for Relay FM. Just seconds is not, they're not kidding. And you choose the Linux distro, the resources, and the node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server, like Stephen Hackett and I were kind of like, how do we do this again? Or uh, deploying a complex system. Linode is the place to go. They have the fastest network, the fastest hardware, outstanding customer support. Absolutely. So if you ever need help, they're there for you. Super easy to launch a cloud server. Block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore data centers, and soon in Tokyo as well. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, they're also hiring, so you can uh, learn more and check out what they're uh, looking for at linode.com slash careers. Hey, check out Linode if you want to run a cloud server of your very own like I do. Uh, they've got pricing options to suit everyone. Plans start at 1 gig of RAM for $5 a month. High memory plans start at 16 gigs of RAM. And here's a special offer. Because you listen to The Incomparable, you can go to linode.com slash snell and use the promo code snell2019. You'll get $20 toward any Linode plan. Do the math. That means that 1 gig of RAM plan, you'll get 4 free months of a server on the internet and there's a seven-day money-back guarantee so you've got nothing to lose give leno to try today i love it you will love it too leno.com slash snell l-i-n-o-d-e dot com slash snell promo code snell 2019 learn more sign up make the most of that 20 dollar credit and thank you to Linode for supporting this show literally so because i really could not see most of the episode it really broke my investment in the show to the point where I think I enjoyed the rest of the season more than I would have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you retired from the Flashcast, which meant you, you, for the first time since basically whatever, you Ever. weren't taking yeah, notes. I, <laughs> I was recapping starting with episode one for Television Without Pity. Right, and when that fell away, we started the Flashcast. So I have taken so many notes about the show, and then finally for the last three episodes, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not writing down any notes. I'm just going to watch what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so then even when I was like, Mm, that's a weird choice. It seems like they're rushing things. Meh. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad at it. 
the the middle run of episodes in the season two, I think, is notable in uh, for its. Um, I feel like you can name each of them by the things people were pissed off about. Like, ah, the too dark episode, the episode with the Starbucks cup, the episode yeah. <laughs> where people are upset about how a main character murders a lot of people. Like every day, like every one of those, there was like a solid run three there where like the next day the internet exploded yeah. with people who were upset about things. Well, I think people who are unhappy with this season have every right to be. I do feel like from a uh, kind of internet and media coverage perspective, once the blood got in the water, I mean, it was very clear yeah, that yeah. it was it, you were going to see people rushing out with the hottest takes they possibly could. And I yeah, definitely yeah. saw some articles, I mentioned them on some other podcasts, where it felt very much like the writer was desperately trying because they'd probably been told, find all the bad things about this episode and write about it. And they were like, why Why didn't, in, in, in one of the last episodes, it was sort of like, why didn't we see the Ravens being sent to everyone, <laughs> calling them to King's Landing for a meeting? <laughs> it's like, well, you know yeah. why. Because that's boring. That's yeah. why. why didn't they fly yeah. the eagles over the mountains? Exactly, Dan. Oh. Exactly. The coverage of the final season is its own thing. It is. Some websites clearly had a mandate. We need 13 articles every day. <laughs> every single day. About the most recent episode. And, well, you're going to be scraping the bottom right. of the barrel. And, and once sentiment is, is turning negative, I, I feel like it definitely builds upon itself where everybody's like, all right, let's take this thing apart, right? Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Frame by frame. I do want to mention here, I, I think, you know, it's hard to uh, under, underestimate, I always get those mixed up, the challenge of landing a series with this kind of huge phenomenon status, right? Like, yeah. that was always going to be hard, no matter what. Uh, my TV talk machine colleague, uh, Tim Goodman, the, wrote a piece about it where he basically said, they can't, before the season started, he's like, they cannot win. Like, there's no way. Yeah. There's oh, absolutely. no way they right. can it's, win. It, it, it's landing a 747 with, like, half your equipment dead and missing a couple engines, right? Like, it's just, it is hard. And not, there are a lot of good, like, you know, we did a whole episode about good endings. And you might notice from that that, like, the number of good endings, I think, overall, is fairly small compared to the number of, like, meh endings or sure. bad endings, yeah. especially well, when you're at this level. And that's true, but there's also a certain amount of it didn't end the way I wanted, which is very different from all of these characters I have spent all this time with and invested in uh, are doing the opposite of what they've done for all the rest of the time that we've been right. along this journey with them. And those are very different things that sort of get conflated sometimes I because agree. Maybe it didn't end how I wanted it to, but the reason it didn't end the way I wanted it to is because I don't feel like those are things that the characters I've spent seven and seven seasons and change with before now. I don't think Jon Snow of season seven would have done that. I don't think Daenerys of season seven would have done that. I don't think anybody from even, you know, two episodes ago would have done that thing they did just there. Yeah. And yeah. that's not the same thing as. Um, I wanted Daenerys to rule everything and she didn't and now I'm mad or I thought Arya should win and she didn't and that's dumb and I'm going to go on the internet and be mad about it. I agree and I think both of yes. those criticisms are out there and that the tricky thing is to differentiate one from the other because yep. it, it's a little bit like shipping and I'm not going to get into it all you shippers out there don't send me email about this but it's a little bit like that where you start rooting for a couple or you root for a character to win or something like that right. and when the creators of the show have a different story that they're telling you get really irate about it and it's like, you know what? You don't, they get to decide. You don't get to decide. But it's a different thing to say, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's one thing to say, I want Jamie and Brienne to end up together, and they didn't, and I'm mad. All right, that's, you can get over that. But saying, 
I want Jamie and Brienne to end up together. And they did end up together. And then Jamie And then Jamie left other stuff. And they didn't take the time to explain it. That's actually one of my nitpicks about it because and it's only partially because I am Team Tormund, but it's because I don't feel like that was the right end (laughs) Jamie's arc. That didn't feel like the truest note for his story, which is the thing I didn't like about it. It didn't because he'd spent all this time trying to be better and and it turned out he wasn't like after all that. That was really frustrating. And only partly was it because Brienne walked away from a man who would have worshipped the ground that she walked on for the rest of her life. And she went off with the quarterback instead. And uh, I didn't feel like that made sense. And it's because and then part of it is because then he ditched her and I was really upset about that. I'm not mad at the show and I'm not saying that's what made the show stupid, but I thought it was a confusing choice for Jamie to make given what we've known about him for for at least the last two seasons before now. The compression plays into a you know, a part there too, right? You know, we're talking six episodes, even if they are long episodes, you know, this is still shorter than most of the seasons have been. Yes. And it and it and the pacing is important, right? Like we just I talked a little bit before about like the like the lows between those climactic (laughs) highs. And it's the same thing here, right? With like if you have a character decide to make a choice like this I think it deserves more time and attention than it, it kind of got here. It feels very much like a heel turn. And I think that's what, like, I think there there are ways in which you can make that convincing argument. Like, even, again, differentiating between a character did something I didn't want them to and a character did something that seemed out of character or false for that character. Right. And that might have been exactly. convincing for Jamie if it had been strung out over a couple episodes as opposed to right. it's literally like 20 minutes, if that, right? Where it's right. like, oh, eh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. It's, it's such a turn in the entire setup of the show in previous seasons where you have, you know, entire season of learning to be a faceless man. And like, we're going to travel across this whole thing over four episodes. And it's just like you set up these expectations to the audience and you've built this foundation for a show. And then you come a year and a half with this final season that every piece of it is so different than what you have started with. Well, it's yeah. right. it's a 13-episode block of the final two seasons that they seem to have made a deal for. And I wonder, I don't know all the details of, of this. Obviously, behind the scenes, there's all sorts of things going on. But it seems to me uh, uh, that Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners of this, kind of wanted to be done. Um because uh, the the plot of these final 13 episodes could easily have been told over 20 episodes at the at a pace more like the rest of the series maybe not the first couple of seasons but more like the pace of the third fourth fifth sixth season and they seem to have either grossly miscalculated when they wrote their little outline of well in this episode this happens and in this episode this happens (laughs) or they just wanted it over or there was some extenuating circumstance that we're not uh, aware of because i agree a lot of this i gotta write i gotta it's it's like you um the connective tissue has just kind of melted away in a lot of places where they're doing shorthand or they're, you know, and again, shorthand can be okay. I, I would argue, and this is maybe an unpopular opinion, but I would argue that what Daenerys does is way better set up 
and we haven't even talked about that part yet, but we'll get there. Uh, way better setup than what Jamie does. Because while yeah. Jamie, Jamie seemed to be on a progression as a character. And at the last yeah. moment, I get that they're like, oh, but his tragic flaw is his sister and his relationships. It's like, okay, I get the book report version of why Jamie does what he does. You got to show me why. You got to show yeah, sure, me. Yeah. Show, yeah. show your work. It's not show there. Whereas at least they had Daenerys flambe Sam's brother and dad last year, right? <laughs> right. And be like, right. ooh, you should not have made that decision. That's kind of scary, right? They at least were trying to do that and, and lay some groundwork there. With Jamie, I just don't, I kind of don't see it. Yeah. I feel like in the middle of the series, they were in no hurry so they could take all the side quests they want like i'm looking <laughs> at the wikipedia summary of season five and it includes the sentences like however oberyn martell's lover Alaria, and his bastard daughters kill Marcella as revenge for oberyn's death which by the time you get to season eight we don't have time for any of that no because we know where people have to end up and they're just going to go over you there. Put them on the conveyor belt and send them down the line. It's the railroad plot. Yeah, like to a certain extent, pieces have to be moved into certain places. And that's what makes it feel like stuff is not true to characters. Because to a certain extent, it does feel like the you know the gods are playing dice here. And it's like, oh, why does that, Jamie do John this? John needs well, to be here. Yeah. It's because we want him to be with Cersei at the end. That's not a good enough yeah. reason. And, and we yeah. and, and that's going to happen next episode, so he's got to get going. Um, Guys, Sandor and Gregor have not fought yet. Sandor has <laughs> got to get down to King's Landing and fight him right now. That's right. Get him down there. Get him, get him on a, a horse. One of the very earliest things that they established, like I didn't spend a bunch of time like pouring over maps or whatever, but one of the first things we hear is that when the king shows up at Winterfell, he says they've been riding for like a month. It's the, it's the travel traveling at the speed of plot thing. Like They realized that they couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And in season eight, like it takes an afternoon. How did Arya get up those stairs so fast? In season seven, they had that episode where John is stranded with the guys on a on a frozen lake, <laughs> and and Daenerys is down at Dragonstone, and they send a raven, and by the the next morning or still overnight. Uh, she gets there with her dragons, and it's like you know. Again, it's it's again, it's the speed yeah. of plot. They're, they're, I'm more concerned about the fact that characters don't don't get the time to yeah. have their moments because it's all been drained out. You can tell me it took a month, and I can believe you. And all you have yeah. to do is say that, and I know that that's true. And in the last episode, they actually do that, right? <laughs> in the last episode, they're like, and oh, three yeah. weeks passed. It's like, yeah, see. There you go. I like that because they didn't tell us right away. They like, oh, his beard's bigger. I have figured out yes. what those scenes really needed was a commercial break. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, and HBO would really like to tell you about all the other great shows that are coming. They're coming. Well, you don't put in an ad break. You don't know that happens. How do you feel about Watchmen? Uh, <laughs> there's a new Westworld in 2020. Uh, yeah. It's uh, okay. So uh, before we go to the second half, and, and everybody who's listening to this probably already knows what happens in the second half. Otherwise, what is wrong with you? Again, I'll say that. Come on. But we end the Battle of the Night King. And we know, as much as I get tired about the plot, like uh, the Avengers does this, where it's like, oh, well, if we if we close the wormhole or hit the command spaceship or whatever, all of the, all of the soldiers die, which is not how war works, right? Like, that's not how it works. But it's a very convenient way to end a show, end a movie. Is just like, oh, we got them, and now everything's fine again. It's not messy. There's no cleanup. It's fine. Here, though, at least they set it up from basically very early on that if you kill the the sire basically of the zombies they they the zombies also die and the, you can kill these white walkers. Great. Okay. So it happens fast. It it is but it is this climax of this big overarching part of the show which is the battle with the night king. 
I want all of you to tell me what you thought about the decision that they made in terms of sequencing, because what I realized in watching this season, and again, maybe there are different kinds of Game of Thrones viewers, almost certainly there are. I realized after the long night with three episodes left to go, that the storyline I cared about most in the show was about humans setting down their squ- setting aside their squabbles in order to save humanity from this undead menace, not about who is going to be the k- king until they get killed and replaced by another king. Did all of you feel that way? It felt the last three episodes f- of this show felt really anticlimactic to me because I was so focused really on this stuff and not the other stuff. I, yes. I'm a hundred percent on board with you there, Jason. I, I really feel like it should have been done in the other order. And it's because so much of that first setup in the very first season has to do with like, oh, yes, we've got our petty squabbles down here, but oh, something cre- like literally in the books, the first thing that happens is somebody gets murdered by a White Walker. Well, like, that's, that's the first like thing that happens in the in the show. Is it the show too? Yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. remember that far it does, back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but it does feel like that should be the bookend and it does feel super weird to have that story concluded with like four or five hours left to go in the show. And, and I think it undercuts a lot of stuff and I get the idea that it makes it like, oh, this is is gritty because even though we killed, you know, we teamed up, it's still humanity's still terrible and everything will be right. <laughs> the story that seemed like it was being told, I thought was these fools are worried about who's going to be king and they have to set aside their petty squabbles and deal with this more important existential threat. But then what actually happened was, oh, Night King's out of the way. Now we can get back to the more important thing who's going to be king. And right. Cersei never even had to like make that decision. I mean, she did sort of, but like this whole season, she's like sitting in her tower, like cackling no, most of the time. Wine. She was 100% right not to send yes, anybody up north. You didn't need her and you were going to come down and try to kill her. You should hold on to your two armies, but, lady. Uh, but it was so, again, it felt like it just lost something because of that. Like, And as a viewer, I, I look at it and I think, you know, I don't want this to be the ending, but it really would have been thematically appropriate if they had gotten routed at Winterfell, had to fall back, and ended up basically saying, we have to bend the knee to Cersei in order to save humanity. And like, right. wow, that really sucks, but you would need to do it, right? Like, because you were the good guys and this is the right move to make. Mm-hmm. That would have been a brave and really depressing ending but it would have fit i think more thematically than the way it did which is like well we wrapped that one up and we didn't even need those guys because that never happens right like if godzilla attacks timely reference the first (laughs) thing the army does never works they have to like build up their forces and they attack oh that didn't work we have to try something else oh it's our last chance finally we defeated the monster but here they built up their forces and faced the night king and killed him Oh. Yeah. Well, after a fashion, though, because I have to say one of my favorite moments, one of the most outstanding to me of all of that was the Dothraki with their light up RX and or however you say that word um, for their uh, knives and how they all lit up and they all rode off to the horizon and all those lights started going out. That was a spectacular moment to watch as a person who really enjoys cinematic sort of stuff like that and it was super duper great and so like watching that was was awesome but yeah like i it didn't like once we got there i was like well now what and like yeah the whole cersei thing made me sort of grumpy because i 
this is one I'm not mad at the show about it, but I don't feel like she got what she deserved. Right. It just didn't feel right. I will agree with you, Kelly. The imagery there is great, but it is also, as several people I saw pointed out, like, <laughs> yeah, we sacrificed the hordes of the people of color uh, first. Yeah. That yeah. happens a lot. Why did we lot. have those armies outside the fire trenches? See, I really liked the uh, wave of articles about medieval battle tactics. <laughs> <laughs> as a nerd, I have wanted medieval battle tactics to take front and center for so long. <laughs> have you considered medieval battle tactics quarterly? The new magazine. That's not new. <laughs> Touche. It's new coverage of old tactics. It's delivered to your house via ballista. Or Raven. Or Raven. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'd rather have Raven, I think. <laughs> My windows cannot stand up against the ballista. Uh, okay, yeah. the second part of this season, uh, they the survivors uh, at Winterfell, and they build the big things and set the dead on fire, and it's very sad, and a lot of people died, but not that many, surprisingly. Not as many as you might think. <laughs> that would be a good capsule, a good capsule summary. Yeah. A lot of people died, but not, that, not, not as many as you not think. Not as many as you might think. Dothraki, apparently mostly a uh, irrelevant diversion for most of the series that's yeah. a shame yeah yeah but i did i did appreciate at least that that next episode started with addressing the aftermath because the opening sequence was uh dealing with all of those dead bodies another another uh, episode this season that i really liked because it is the other one of the three that is very character driven and not spectacle driven and these are the three david nutter directed episodes and they it, it is about mourning the dead um and then sort of like positioning themselves for what comes next and this is where jamie uh and uh and Brienne, is this where Jamie and Brienne get together? And then he leaves her to go to walk down to visit. Yes, because they're all getting drunk afterwards. Yeah, that's right. And there's there's a Starbucks yep. cup and the whole thing happens. Yeah, exactly yes. right. Um, but then, then it, which leads to the fifth episode, which is the Bells, which is where uh, Tyrion continues to try and get Cersei to surrender and tries to prep everybody that when the bells ring, that means that, that uh, they've surrendered and you don't need to kill anybody. And they attack the city. And um, what I thought was interesting here is that I, I, the show didn't make it clear to me, even though the characters were acting like it was it was a foregone conclusion that the uh, that the people with the dragons were going to win this one or dragon at this point, we're going to win this one. And I, I didn't think it was that clear. <laughs> and then the show was like, oh no, it actually is quite clear. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. But it was kind of confusing. I felt like they were not entirely playing fair with 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 uh, showing us how clearly imbalanced these two things were. Because I thought, I thought the whole idea was that they really needed Cersei's troops. And then in the end, it's like, no, we don't really need them. We they can handle these guys on and our they own. they didn't even need yeah. to follow the real plan yeah. with the dragons either. It was all yeah. fine. Yeah, so they torch, they torch the Golden Company and everybody else and the bells ring. And Daenerys has that moment where she decides that what she's going to do because uh, she is going to need to rule by fear because she's not going to be loved by the people of Westeros is torch the city and everybody in it, which... Uh, was is a is a difficult thing to watch and goes on for a very long time and, and she uh, could have done a whole season earlier if she is this powerful just do it the first time you get there when we were all saying why don't she just blow up the red keep you have three dragons then <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right. you're yeah. unstoppable just go to the center of town blow up that giant tower done dusted yeah. so uh, yeah. so uh before we get to how this series ends in in the sixth episode, uh, it's it's worth having that conversation now about this episode and the choice that Daenerys makes. Um, you know, everybody's got an opinion. It seems so. Share yours. <laughs> My opinion is I didn't buy it. She sat there so long after the bells and was not attacking 
troops or Cersei. She was just burning people. I feel like they turned the dial too far towards, and now she kills civilians. Ha ha. Just like she killed those slavers. You thought that was cool. Eh, I didn't buy it. Yeah, I'm with Monty on this one. To me, again, this felt... And I know I, I've seen so many people have so many discussions of this and like, oh, we clearly missed all these things that were building <laughs> to this moment. And I was like, no, I, I watched the whole show, guys. Like, I just didn't buy it. Like, I didn't believe that somebody, even if they were brutal and doing things that were terrible, and she does, would then make it make that last jump to just not even like I murdered some civilians who were in the way of the army. I systematically wiped out this yeah. entire city. That is kind of a different ballgame in my mind. And I think it it pulled the rug out from under her character as well as a lot of the viewers. And I, I think it was a disservice. Um, and I think more to the point, uh, sort of broadly speaking, the pattern of their treatment of female characters has not been great uh, all on the way. And, and this is not a good look along with that. Yeah. And that's that's a problem of their own making. Um, and, and it's hard to sort of argue that they um, that they have not, you know, done a lot of things that support that along the way. And, and you could argue like, well, shouldn't it be possible for a woman to go mad and do all these terrible things? Absolutely. But in the larger context, you also have to look at uh, what is the message? What are you trying to say really at the end of the day here? And even if they meant well and you know the putting distrust in powerful people i i think it it conveyed a different message perhaps than they thought they were going for well the problem there was it was a character it wasn't a character arc it was a character hockey stick because like yeah like i understood even if i didn't agree with i understood the tarly family barbecue i got it he gave them an option and they went "Uh uh-uh and she went for it right like they you know she was sort of like you have two options here and one of them is I set you on fire and they said, yeah, that's the one we want. Yeah. Or killing Varys. I'm not crazy about it, but hey. Right. Yeah. But but I could see that because Varys betrayed her, like yeah. whatever. But the she went right. from winning Wholesale the city. Murder. But from yeah. that to to I am I am become death. Like, yeah, that's that's way too big of a leap because she was doing all the rest of them for some sort of reason. Right. Like not, you know, like there was no option because this was the only way she was going to um, get the slavers out. This was the only way that she was going to uh, keep the people from being oppressed. This was the only way that she was going to ensure the loyalty of others. She gave them two options and they chose the one she didn't want. So there there it is. And if it weren't for and, and if there had been some moment in between, because remember, the only time we ever saw anything with the dragons and civilians, it was the person that brought the child into the pyramid and said, you know, like your dragon set my kid on fire. And she looked genuinely remorseful and sad about that. She didn't want that to be the case. So the only time we ever saw any sort of harm come to civilians as a result of her actions, she was always remorseful or, or felt bad or was looking for some way to try to make it right and didn't want it to be that way. So for her to all of a sudden just turn and go, Nope. Like, you know, that to me, really, really, really didn't ring true. And there wasn't anything, you know, all the people that said it led up to that point, you know, because she set people on fire before. But like, you know, if you say that without context, like it doesn't help. And we've had all this time that you could have been laying those seeds 
before this. And yes, she has some violent tendencies, I will say, but there was never a thing where where she wanted to systematically dismantle a population and, you know, death right. from above was never an option until this exact moment in the home stretch. It's it's cartoonish villainy to a certain degree. Yes. And I, I think that was that was frustrating because it was, you know, again, I'm with Kelly, like making terrible decisions, doing terrible things, murdering people, all very bad. I think gets your point across that like this is a person who wants to be feared. Um, but like, you know, not every not every terrible murderer is also Hitler. And in this case, you're just like, yeah. it feels like what she really lacked was an immediate precipitating event. And I, I think this is maybe just a bad yeah. choice on the on the on the, the writers, because I get the groundwork where they she's isolated. She doesn't trust John. She ha- she has executed Varus. She doesn't trust Tyrion. Masande was executed by Cersei. She's seeing this this rumor about John is sp- going to spread. She's seeing her lifelong dream slip away. It's like I get it. I get all of that. The problem is that when she's sitting there for all that time, it's like do you want me to believe that in that moment she has decided sort of coldly and calculatingly to very carefully go around and burn everybody to death? And that's the moment where I think you probably, I, I kind of wanted something to happen. And I'll just throw this out there as an example. Maybe instead of having her second dragon get murdered uh, very rapidly by a, a scorpion in the previous episode by jerk, the jerk from the iron islands, whose name escapes me now, but he's just the jerk. You're on the jerk. What if the, they assaulted the city with the two dragons and one of them was killed in the assault and she was then enraged, right? Like, yes, th- I could see something, something happening where it was like, that's it. And she loses control. But to have it be so coldly calculating again, yeah, it's I, I just don't feel like the although Daenerys's propensity for violence and burning people alive, it was laid out. I don't think that choice in that moment, that cold choice, was as clearly laid out as it should have been. No. It, do- it doesn't have the smack of madness either. Until the last two episodes, she's been very clear, surrender or die. Right. But in the last two episodes, it's, oh, these people surrendered? I'm killing them anyway. Surrender and die. I'm not yeah. saying it <laughs> couldn't work, but in the moment, it didn't work for me. I need a little more... Uh, a little more spackle in there. Yeah, there was no event. Like like you said, Jason, Like I just can't see her sitting there and thinking about it and going, okay, I'm just going to lay waste. On the one hand, sparing people. On the other hand, murder. I mean, the argument to be made is that in those moments, what she's thinking is the only way that I'm going to be able to rule is if everybody knows that I laid waste to this city and so they're going to need to lay down their arms and, and uh, let me rule them or I will destroy them too with my dragon. And therefore, what I'm going to do here is coldly and calculatingly kill a bunch of men, women, and children who are civilians who have nothing in this fight at all. And like... I just don't see that. I don't see that character as set up here making that cold and calculating a decision when she could have gone to the Red Keep and destroyed it entirely and left the city standing and she chooses not to do that. You know, I I also, uh, something that I think Kelly said earlier about the technical quality of, I think, the Long Night episode versus the sort of like character quality. I think the Bells technically is one of the most spectacular pieces of television I've ever seen. And I think there are a lot of great scenes in it. The parts that I have a problem with are those character parts where it's like, hmm. yeah. like, oh, yeah. and, and it's not, and it's not like even whoa, that came out of nowhere. It's sort of like, I see what you're trying to do there, but does that really yeah. follow? <laughs> I can't fully hate an episode that makes me believe I see a dragon flying around burning people. <laughs> That's <laughs> totally. Awesome. And, 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 
towers collapsing. This entire season is just beautiful from the acting, from the hair, to the costumes, to the scenery, to the CGI, to everything is just gorgeous. You Like you said, you believe it, and which almost makes it even more painful that writing choices Mm -hmm. were made. They worked so hard on this. That documentary just breaks my heart how broken everybody who worked on this show was down yes. to the guy who works on the snow that dude worked his <laughs> i love that guy but he got oh. to go to spain master of so. snow master of I, snow I, I, I do want to say i kind of feel like for me this episode uh you know i think monty talked a little bit about like kind of disengaging with it in the long night because of the technical problems and and i think that had the same effect me for me here about the character problems was like this kind of second that it, ha- it happened i sort of checked out and I was watching it, and and if I had this very you know sort of cold clinical like oh, this is a technically impressive episode, but I just didn't care anymore. Like I didn't care what happened. I didn't care who lived or died. I I also had some problems here. I wasn't thrilled with the what they did with Arya, and again, it kind of was because it felt very much like what we talked about with Jamie, where there was like uh, there was some development, but it kind of happens too fast. Like she and 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 Clegane ride all the way down. To King's Landing, presumably talking like I'm going to kill Cersei. Yeah. It's going to be great. All I care and about then, is revenge. My entire character is revenge based. And then they get there and they have like in, in Sandor Clegane's like eh, better not. And she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I guess not. You're right. And I, I was like, what happened there? That was weird. And it felt like they again the plot pushed her in that direction because they wanted to have that scene of her you know war is hell with her wandering around right. in the ash and it's a very yeah. good scene but it, it it left me cold because of the fact that i was like why is she here like what mm-hmm. what is happening why is she shell-shocked i would have been happy if if we found her picking over the rubble and being really sad that cersei and jamie were dead yes right and yeah. like now i can't get my revenge but that's not what they did. she could have left after killing the night king and it would have been basically the same arc like she just had to yeah. stick around yeah. to the end exactly of the yeah. yes yeah she's she is does nothing for those last three episodes and it's a shame which is sad because like that would have been a really good moment if she had come across cersei already dead so now she doesn't get her way I don't get my way as a viewer because that woman needed to die screaming and I didn't get to see that. And I don't think that's fair. And there would have been the shared, like at least that would have made more sense. I did like the most. And I love every moment between Ari and the Hound. And I want that to be a show. I wish that they would do some sort of like, you know, web series or something (laughs) like in between, (laughs) like the two of them riding around would have been amazing good morning vloggers hi channel (laughs) but the um uh, the the yeah i I agree i think that there were a number of different ways that that could have gone that would have been at least more narratively satisfying even if not as you know emotionally satisfying but it it just seems really strange to have her in there for kind of no reason yeah well also it makes a uh which is kind of funny given the fact that these guys have written so many hours of television, it makes a very television writer kind of like, I'd say almost like beginner mistake, which is the idea that when we don't see the characters, they're literally not doing anything. Yes. And Dan, you pointed that out, which is like, Arya and the Hound have written all the way from Winterfell to King's Landing. 
bent on revenge. And yet when we see them, we get no sense that they've had any conversation since the last shot we saw of them. Right. And that nothing has happened of any import along the way. And it's only in this moment that he did that. And I get why structurally, because they're rushing to the end here, they couldn't show those scenes. And yet we're, we're expected to believe that they've not discussed their plans really at all. And at this point, as you said, Dan, best not. Okay, you're yeah. right. And that, you know, it's like, again, I would much rather she have been frustrated in her goals uh, mm-hmm. or, or even mm-hmm. like to have her, him like knock her out or try to, you know, try to prevent her from going some way that, right. that is not is not her choice because she's so bent on revenge. But instead, yeah. she's right. just like, no, you're right. It's dumb. I'm le- I'm out of here. You're like, you're trying to convince me she had an epiphany that maybe life lives are valuable or something. It's like, she spent all this she time becoming an assassin. An assassin yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, what? Wow. I'd much rather she p- pile the rubble off of Circe and be like, Gah. and then as, t- you know, and then she's leaving as Tyrion's walking and she's like, they're over there. I'm out of here. <laughs> right? But right. Well, right. And there was only one name on her list. I know, right? Seven years. Seven seasons of the list. Sandor gets to have his revenge quest, which honestly I did not care about at all. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Clagane Bowl. Yeah. It was a uh, big deal. Uh, the mountain stopped being interesting when he too stopped long. being yeah, the too mountain. Long. Yeah. Who I, cares? I, and also the hound, like, and I said this on one of the flashcasts, Monty, I felt like the hound's entire character arc was set up for him to do his final act would be an act of heroism yes. to save someone, probably Arya, yeah, by, mm-hmm. by getting burned alive. Especially in the books yeah. where like yeah. we see him become a priest or something and he's changed his life and he's not the hound, he's Sandor, but eh. That felt yeah. like a thing that was thrown in there to appease like audience but I just really want to see people fight. I want to smash some action figures together. And yep. it, it did not I agree with you. It yeah. felt empty and I would have much rather seen some other decision even if it was like a decision to sacrifice himself that ended up being in vain right like again that has more emotional weight than i'm gonna fight with my brother we're gonna fall into a giant pit of fire like i don't know what's we're gonna try and fight but he's a different type of zombie but kind of the same thing but not a nice zombie like i did like the fight because it reminded me of the fight between ramirez and the kurgan in highlander (laughs) because they had that spiral staircase and the wall kept blowing up it was self-contained. Like, that was the thing that irritated me the most about it was that it didn't affect any other character. Also, this staircase, literally, it's like, this is the, this is fine. The whole tower is crumbling, but this part is fine. You can fight here. Yeah. Fight here, boys. Okay. <laughs> well, it's like how the Iron Throne survived. Right, yeah. They didn't flail out of the tower and land on a bunch of soldiers and turn, t- turn the tide of the battle. They didn't anything, anything. And, like, the only thing it really assisted in and that even then it was only sort of was uh Cersei got to escape because the hound wasn't after her anymore because her, his brother was standing there and they made Kyburn go out like a chump right <laughs> well that's appropriate like, I enjoyed that like, that was Frank, that's good. a Frankenstein I, I love that that's actor, a Frankenstein though. move yeah. you make the monster the monster kills yep. you dude that's yeah, how it no, works that was okay that was that was one of the better parts yeah he he got a he got a fitting a fitting end but I didn't care about any of the rest of it and so like I get that they felt like they had to do it but at the same time like I would have been okay with not having that and giving me those few minutes for a story beat for anybody else. Uh, I will say one thing about Kyburn. Uh, when the city was exploding, I liked the little bursts of green flame because he yeah. had hid yes. dragon fire around. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really I, happened with that, but I thought it was a cute <laughs> touch. 
I also really enjoyed the one part. I, I think I tweeted this at the time, but like I enjoyed Cersei pulling like a serious Grand Moff Tarkin there, where it's like evacuate in a moment of triumph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's talk about the last episode because this is where it all comes to an end. Uh, it is one of the things I like about it. It is a, it is a quiet episode after the the in nuts battle dragon fire everything collapsing of the bells it is the ramifications of what we've seen and from that perspective i enjoyed the fact that it was it was all about that and even though major things happen because it's the last episode it still feels like it's all the the ramifications and recriminations of what comes before and so we get our various character exits here Tyrion somehow finds jamie and seriously let me tell you there's no way that a whole castle collapses and one guy um, even Tyrion size can just kind of stroll into various areas. They are piled under floors and floors of rubble. But you know, I like the, I like the, they are. I like the people who pointed out that if they'd stood twenty meters, like to the left, <laughs> right. yeah, it would been fine. It would been fine. Under <laughs> floors and floors of rubble, there's one layer. They did not get their earthquake training. No, where it's like yeah, they just got hit the by archway. rocks. It was not that. It was yeah. not that. I'm just saying, I would have loved it if Tyrion had just like found a rat dragging Jamie's hand away and been like, oh, oh well. Um, yeah. But that that's not what happens. And, oh, Ultimately, you know, we get the very, you know, kind of like a fascist imagery of like the Unsullied and the Dothraki that are there. And, and Daenerys is up on the top of the stairs and she gives her speech and all of that. And, uh, you know, and Tyrion says, uh, you, you know, you slaughtered everybody. And he throws his little pin down and gets thrown in the in the cells. And uh, we we get that moment, which is the the big moment, which is John d- goes to Daenerys and says, I love you and you will always be my queen. And then he uh, he stabs her because she is too great a threat and she's kind of like lost it. And he needs to uh, basically fall on his sword in order to assassinate her. And this is the tragedy of Jon Snow. At least as everybody pointed out, that made perfect sense for who Jon is. Yes. Jon is the guy. It's stupid, but it Jon is He's Dumb. Ned Stark's kid, even though he's not. I know he's not Ned Stark's yeah, kid, but he's I, totally Ned he's Stark's totally kid. Ned I bought Stark's that he kid. would do that. I want I to did. push back on that slightly. It seemed like he was doing it because he was so in love with her, and I never, until I was oh, told no, that, that uh, in that scene, really felt like he was in love with her. He kept saying things like, "We have to go with Daenerys because she has dragons, and we have to fight the Night King." Was he in love with her that whole time? Yeah, I, I didn't buy the love thing, but I did buy the, like, it's for the greater good, even if this is, like, a terrible thing. But I agree yes. with you, Monty, that, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't believe that he loved her so much as he had pledged his loyalty to her, to her and that was the, the the tragedy of the you. Yes, I bought you will always be my queen more than I bought I I love you, right? Because that was like, mm. yeah. And John, you know, is basically they uh, Grey Worm essentially bargains. He says, "I got these armies here, and if you want us to leave, you're gonna we're gonna have to make a deal." And they're like, "Okay, well, we'll punish John, but uh, by sending him away." Which then Grey Worm leaves, and I thought, "Okay, John, you can come out now." <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they're not yeah. coming back. They're never coming back. Totally sent him north. Wink, wink. Of course, that's sort of what happens, right? Because he he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna start the night watch up again, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, yeah." Uh-huh. I don't think anyone down south knows no one's at Castle Black yeah. anymore. There's just a big hole matter. in the wall. And, and honestly, it's not even on their borders anymore, right? Because the, because one of the nice yeah. things that happens in this episode is that Sansa says, "When you know this is great, you can have a new king. It can be my brother. That's fine." But the North isn't going to bend the knee. We are our own independent country again. It's like that's cool. All right. And so th- therefore, the Night's Watch is your problem. All those, all the, you know. Uh, if, if the f- six kingdoms try to send all of the, you know, rapists uh, up Rapers. to the, I would imagine that the no- North is like, no, thank you. Keep them. 
We do not want them here. Send them away. So good luck, Night's Watch. Anyway, so lots of stuff happens. In the end, Tyrion's great sentence for his crimes is that he has to be the hand of the king. Bran is the king because he's got a third (laughs) eye and is a raven or something. Do you buy Bran the Broken has the best story of everybody? And they really... That really felt to me like they just spun the wheel and said, oh, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. And the winner is, oh, this guy. I, I feel he like nothing for three seasons. I feel like the story thing was the was dumb, right? Because I, I feel like it was, the, and it went both ways. It was like, he knows all the stories. Also, he's got a good story. It's like, no, no, pick one. And the one you pick is he knows all the stories. He is, he is wise, <laughs> supernaturally wise, and knows the entire history of everything that's ever happened and has been Sounds touched like by the gods. Meister or a hand. And so yeah. like- yeah. <laughs> like, like, we'll just put him well, and then politically, it's like, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna do anything too wacky, and uh, so he's a useful and he vehicle won't have for his Tyrion. children to try and take over. Yeah, because essentially, and and we see in the meeting scene where he basically like uh, wheels in and then says, "Good luck, guys. I'm gonna go look for that uh, that dragon," and then he leaves. <laughs> it's sort of like Tyrion sentences. He has to run the country now. That's <laughs> that's it. I I think I'm with Monty on this. Like that wasn't the. I didn't feel like that was the best story. Like. We couldn't pick the guy who came back from the dead and still <laughs> right. is trying to serve the realm. Like there were there were so many other really good, really interesting stories that we could have had. Any and, of the women? Like literally. But, but we made a deal with Grey Worm who already sailed off to the islands and is never going to return to Westeros. We can't go back on that one. Well, guess what? what? About- <laughs> That's only when he left. He checked out the minute Miss Ande fell off the gate. Yeah. And he became a one note character after that. And I did really like him before. And I just absolutely did not care about him once he became a single note. And that single note was anger. And there was never any like, I am grieving over having having been on the verge of great love and not ever really being able to enjoy it in any way because we were always in the middle of some sort of crisis. And now he's just he was nothing he was just a little anger machine and he was no fun to watch anymore because that single note was was no good yep at least we can all agree that this episode at least gave us uh edmure tully getting shut (laughs) down by sansa which is a fantastic scene (laughs) so good that was delightful I do feel bad for everybody that spent millions of words on message boards arguing about who Azor Ahai was, which (laughs) is a prophecy that barely made it into the show and meant nothing. nothing. Sorry, everybody. Negative thing. Well, there's a lot of theories out there that the Lord of Light is essentially just a synonym for the Three-Eyed Raven, and this is all just Bran's plot to take over. It would be nice to think he was doing something during the Battle of Winterfell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, there was that... Person drew a little cartoon that was on Twitter that I thought was fantastic because we see his eyes get all get all glowy and then he's just sitting there the whole time and he, the ravens are flying around and there was that one that shows that Arya gets picked up by a bunch of ravens yes, and then dropped the on the Night yeah. King, <laughs> like, yeah. which is why she comes yeah. in from the sky. That's yeah. it. I stand Perfect. by my claim that he was just watching his stories the whole time. He was, yeah. <laughs> all of the stories. The best stories. Yeah. So, yeah, Azora High. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mr. Kelly fell down that rabbit hole really, really hard. And so everything at my house, like, for a for like two straight weeks was Azora High. Like, do you think the pizza guy's Azora High? I mean, I mean <laughs> like, you know. It, red herrings are fine, but the problem is so much of the Melisandre stuff was all about like real prophecy that w- that came true and that power was real and that the red god really was setting them up to defeat the night king um mm-hmm. but then there's like oh but not that not that prophecy <laughs> that one yeah so you know you get some right you, you get some wrong yeah. you know old nan said a lot of stuff nobody bothered listening to back in season <laughs> <Yeah>. one <laughs> so um 
in the end, uh, what like so? Who's on the small council with uh, with uh, Tyrion? Is is Brienne? Uh, yeah. So so um, Brienne is there. She is the uh, she is the head of the Kingsguard, I believe, with Pod Ooh. as a member of the Kingsguard. Oh, good for him. I'm Braun, so happy for Pod. Braun is yep. there because every. Everybody loves Braun. How could you not? Sorry, I have to say the uh, full credit to the guy, the guy who did the John Hughes ending bit for <laughs> oh this my gosh. because yeah. the part that makes me laugh out loud is Braun dies in a tavern brawl three days later. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's about right. So right. So the right. Onion Knight is there, and Sam is now the the Archmeister of the uh, of the capital seems, or something seems like, like that. He skipped some steps. He did. No, he got a big promotion. You got another right people. That's Huge the key. promotion. You got another well, right people. Meisters get killed pretty quick. He did save everybody, basically, with yeah, his research. I guess. So, yeah. Here's something else. That revelation <laughs> about how John and Daenerys are related. Oh, that didn't matter at all either. Turns out. Thanks a lot, Sam. Just, I actually just made everything way worse. So Sansa is the queen yeah. in the north. That she gets a, she gets a nice crown, and I, I, I like that. Great outfit. I like that moment. Great um, outfit. And that, that, is what a, that is a great story arc in, if you think about her original character, which was fairy tale dreams of what it's like to be a princess and a queen. And then the reality, which is very different, but she is good at it right like that really good and and there are lots of issues with stuff that happened in the middle of her arc but if you look at point a and point b it is a quite i think it's one of the nicer starting and landing point kind of mirrorings that this show did yeah they didn't fail her character at the end she stuck that landing hard no they only failed her in the middle right exactly but at the the end they got her to a great place of that and the way they went about acknowledging that uh, was really really icky. I just feel like oh, the part where she said, "If all that hadn't happened to me, I would have stayed a little bird." Yeah. So I yeah. guess it's mm. good. Yep. Yep. So Thanks, it's fine, Joffrey. But- Thanks, yeah. Ramsey. Yeah, Ram- that, that that was the that was the one that really got me. Is like if I wasn't terrorized and raped by Ramsey Bolton, I wouldn't be tough like I am now. It's like really, really Wait, seriously. Voice of the author yeah. is that the voice of the author I hear. Are you justifying and your What about choices? Nymeria? Weren't we supposed to check in on those dogs at some point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those dogs yeah. did Ghost not got pay pet, off. Ghost got pets. Ghost got, got pets. Ghost, Ghost lost an ear, but he, he gets to have a, a fun time in the north. My headcanon is that um, Brienne being a knight and a knight can make another knight that she knighted Podrick. And yes. in my brain, that makes me really happy yeah, because sure. that's a suitable, happy, and true to character option for both of them. I thought that was pretty great. 100%. Um, and then we get our two uh, Lord of the Rings endings. <laughs> yes. Just two? <laughs> That's right. For Lord of the Rings, you should really have 10 endings, right? Um, whoa, zing. Take that, Peter Jackson. Hey. Uh, Arya, <laughs> Arya has a ship, the uh, SS Direwolf, I guess, that is going to go to the West and find out what is west of Westeros, and she's going to have great swashbuckling Wester- adventures. Westeros. And that's it's the West end world. of that She's going to show up in that cyberpunk world and just start stabbing it's people. Great. I would right. 100% be here for that. That's right. Westworld yeah. is West of Westeros. That's so hard. But yes, it was kind of a call out to another fantasy show to have the shortest character go into the West. I just don't get why. Why does she care? I think she just is done. That that was my yeah. thought is that she, and plus I like from a meta standpoint, I like that that character is basically like, and she went on to have wonderful adventures that we don't get to hear about. And I'm like, all well, right, yeah. I like yeah. that. Here's my pitch. What we have seen the entire series is a D&D character's backstory. So she's going to show up in this new land as a level one assassin and just describe all this cool, like heartbreaking stuff that happened in her past that can't affect us in any way. 
and now she's just an adventurer. Well, That's pretty dope. Uh, two, she has no list anymore. She doesn't have these major enemies, so I can see how she would feel very lost almost. And so, what do you do when you get lost? You get more lost, and you go go west, young man. Yeah, or she's free now. Yeah, she's yeah. She has no requirements as a Stark child to stand and support, you know, her sister or choose to go with her brother, either brother. Like she is free in a way that she hasn't really ever had before, and so she's like, "Yeah, let's go party." Yeah, it made sense. I enjoyed it. I didn't. I still sort of wished that she would have gone and like gone off with Gendry because I really thought that he accepted her for what she was and wasn't going to make her change. So I thought that would still be really great. But I also like this ending like that. It makes a lot of sense. And it was in this case, at least we did hear her a few times say stuff about like what's west of Westeros and like what happened, you know, like the map ends, but I'm not sure the world does. And I kind of want to go find out what's there. And like she said that a few times, so at least that wasn't an out of left field sort of a thing. Yeah, for her to want to go and do. Since you mentioned Gendry, I do feel it's weird that both Brienne and Arya had those sex scenes, and then eh, they're like, done, all finished. <laughs> yeah. yeah, check. Well, why did we have to have those then? I mean, that I think there's no reason, no, no problem that they can't just enjoy themselves and then move on with their lives. The yeah. male characters certainly do it all the time. Yeah. It didn't mean that much to Arya. If you'll allow me to insert some headcanon here, by the way, the head of the kitchens Absolutely. at King's Landing under King Bran is, of course, Hot Pie. Yeah. <laughs> well, she survived. Hot Pie is I mean, fine. Is the, Hot Pie has a great absolutely. job in King's Landing from now on. Just just yep. saying. Um, so the real Frodo ending, though, is John, because although um, so- uh, Arya is uh, sailing into the West and Sansa is the queen in the North, John having gone through this uh, terrible experience is done and they send him to the wall and he's like, Hmm, here's torment. Here's my dire wolf. Um, here are the wildlings. We're out of here. And he goes through the tunnel and walks into the, in, in a really good parallel of the first scene of the first episode, John and the wildlings go into the forest beyond the wall, never presumably to be seen again. And I got to say, I kind of like this ending because it is John saying, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And he's totally, totally wrecked after he assassinates Daenerys. And, and I like, I like that. He's just like, no, I'm, I'm done. And he, and who knows what fun Tormund and John will have in the far North. Yeah. I feel like John just goes total, a hundred percent Jeremiah Johnson. This is, you know, really long beard living off the land. Yeah. He's got a sword. He's lost both of the two loves of his life. Yeah, they. Like, he's just like I'm done with people's. See ya. Like, yeah, I just think hang he's done with yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand the ending, to be honest. I didn't get why all the wildlings were there waiting for him. Like, it, yeah, is there a Night's Watch? Do people? Are we going to rebuild the wall? What's happening? Oh, he's leaving. Is there? Oh, huh. And that's kind of the impression I felt at the end of the series was just, oh, that's happening. Uh huh. Which I'm not really complaining about. It's an interesting 
feeling at the end of a like nine-year journey. I like that the responsible guy who did the right thing and paid a price for it, at the end, they say, okay, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to follow your duty and you're going to go back here. And instead, he he walks out. Now, I don't know why Tormund... I imagine Tormund just discovered all of the booze in Castle Black and has been just slowly <laughs> kind of drinking it and depleting its uh, its all of its uh, uh, store, stores, winter stores in the meantime. But um, I don't know why he's there right. all that time because it presumably is like months before John gets back there. But when John gets back there and goes into the North, I thought that was a fitting end for that character that he kind of sloughs off this whole Game of Thrones, the whole expectation of him and his family and his life and his other family that he supposedly had and the the all of it and it's just like that's it and he and he walks away i i that worked for me as a kind of like little final coda which is basically like i'm out of here forget this is this is a stupid game i i'm i'm not playing it anymore (laughs) i'm taking my wildlings i'm going home what about those guys he went north with did they go with him are they going to read? Yeah, no, he's going to be the king in the north here, North. Yeah, I'm just all hung up on the actual night. <laughs> oh no, I think the Night's Watch is over. Oh, they're, gone. I, they're dead. I think, I think it's them. over. I, I, I actually wanted the yeah. shot. I wanted the shot to also have the 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 um like the wall like slowly just collapsing too, like it's over. So then, what happens with Castle Black? Like, does he just go hang a sign on the front that says "Gone Fishing"? I mean, no, what? I think they're just well, gone. Presumably, the, re- the rest of them fell down. Okay, at some Game point, of Thrones so season nine, episode one: a, a, a bunch of prisoners from the south roll into Castle Black, expecting to be met by the Night's Watch, and there's nobody there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so they create their own society. <laughs> So uh, you know what? If there's one thing, I was kind of expecting the end of the um, the season, <laughs> I, or the whole show for me. I wanted like a this is in my in my head totally how I picture it. it was like the snow, but like a flower coming up through the snow as spring returns. But nope, it's still winter probably yeah. for a long time. I guess that no. Was... There's there's a blade of grass coming out of the snow as they walk north of the wall. Oh, is there? Yeah, a guess? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm that good at it. That's, that's how long that's winter right. lasts. Well, when you kill like... the Night King, there's no more winter anymore. Ah, no, global warming. Ah. Oh, my God. Uh... Wait, bring him back. Bran will know that there's nobody at the Night's Watch, right? Bran will know everything. That's true. Actually, yeah, but Bran just doesn't care. I, I figure Bran is just like, I know what's really going to happen to John. You're going to, you know, go to the North and have a great life, and that's what my plan is all along. I don't know. Warging into yeah. things all the time. I really liked the theory that I thought a lot of people had, which was that in the finale, Bran is going to warg into a dragon and do something yeah. cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Didn't happen. What if he had warged into a dragon and stopped the dragon from burning? <laughs> well, I just wanted, like, I wanted to know what he was going to do. Like, he says he's going to go off and find the dragon, right? But then what? Like, that's the part I want to know. What is the point of having the, oh, we've spotted the dragon eating sheep somewhere? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought the series should have ended when Drogon flew off with Daenerys' body. Right. If they had just cut to black right there, that's all you'd get. I I would have loved that. 20-minute episode. That would have been (laughs) pretty amazing, though. That would have been amazing. would have been so surprising. I did like the Drogon burning the Iron Throne. Like Drogon, think your your Game of Thrones dumb. <laughs> that is a dumb throne. <laughs> it is a dumb. And I guess they still do have an Iron Throne because that's probably what the wheelchairs made out of. Mm. Eh, it's kind of wood. Wood and iron. Wooden Iron Throne. 
a game of wood and iron coming soon on HBO. <laughs> the song of wood and iron. A song of wood and iron. Great. You got it. You nailed it. Guys, we're making a new fantasy series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Something I really disliked was the re- super winkiness of Sam saying, I've written a book. It's called yes. The Song of Ice and Fire. You're not in it. Oh, come on, man. I decided that after um, eight seasons, you can make one. You get one of those. You get you get one. Yeah, I liked the democracy joke, but not the yeah. Song yes. of Ice and Fire joke. Uh, the democracy joke, like part of the point of, of George R. R. Martin in writing these books is all of these legendary tales of kings and queens are terrible for everyone else who is not a lord. Like, this is a terrible system that, that destroys all of the other people and... I felt like they, I, I was glad that they made a nod to that where Sam says, we could have a democracy. And they all go, ha ha, I totally, no. that was the one scene that I was like, I jumped in and started fake laughing like half a second before yeah. everyone else. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is the correct response. That is what these people would do because they're, I can't say yeah, that. They're, they're jerks. They're, they're, they're giant people. I feel like somebody pitched that as a joke and everyone said, we can't do that. No, let's definitely do that. Let's one guy's definitely. like, I'm writing it in anyway. Yep, that's it. All right. Anything else before we wrap this up? I think it was a worthwhile series. I think it was fun. Um, I don't think they quite stuck the landing for me, but I'm glad they tried. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Monty. I, it makes me all the more curious to see if George will ever finish the books. He won't. Uh, yeah, I'm not holding my breath, but at the same time, it, it's like, uh, you know, and it's not because, oh, I think his ending will be so much better or anything like that, but like, I'm just... I, I am kind of interested. Like he started this as one person, right? Writing a story and it became something so much bigger and out of his control in some ways. And I'm kind of curious to see if he'll just feel like I'm done or maybe he'll come back to it in like 15 years or something or whatever. But like, it is fascinating to me that we did not only cause we remember joking about like, Oh, what if they outpaced the books? Yep. <laughs> that happened. This is one of the few shows in recent years that I have done any sort of watch parties. And I actually ended up doing three in this past, in this final season, one of which with my parents, which I will never do again. (laughs) I enjoy the community for the most part around the show. Um, A lot of it is problematic and I'll just ignore those, but I'm really interested to see how I feel about the show maybe in 10 years or something coming back to it with some space where I know how it ends. I know the main plot points and then being able to relive the, the little things that I forgot. It'll be really interesting. I was a little disappointed that the, the mysticism and stuff, like all of the, the Melisandre and, and some of the prophecy things and, and Arya's faceless man technology. Like I was a little disappointed that we didn't get more of that from what was initially pitched to me as a fantasy series where things like dragons are real and magic is a thing that can happen. And so I was just sort of overall, like not just season eight, but overall I want, I always wanted more of that. So they'd start talking about something and they'd tippy toe right up to the edge and then it didn't pay off in any way. So I was a little frustrated with that sort of overall. I will, I will say whoever pitched this to you as a fantasy series, that was probably a mispitch <laughs> yeah. because the whole point of the first book it's and the show it. is yeah. basically that nothing magical happens until the, ver- except in the first scene and the last scene. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. someone told me they were fantasy books and it was a person who read a lot of fantasy books and said, these are fantasy books. I think you would like it if they made a TV show of it. And I heard they're making a TV show of it. So you should watch that. It's a very it's a very magic light universe, uh, especially right. early on. Yeah. So overall, like I really I do enjoy it, I think, as a whole, I think. And like um, Kathy, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if it'll take 10 years, but I think it'll be interesting to come back to and see how it feels after some time has passed and knowing how it turns out, knowing what happens and all of that, um, how my stance on some of that stuff changes. Here's what I know. Uh, I did the Game of Thrones flashcast with Monty and Brian for uh, many, 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 many episodes. And uh, that was a lot of fun to talk to my friends about a TV show that I liked after it was over. Uh, and it was a fun thing to do, and I'm glad I did it. So Monty, to you, and also to Brian out there, wherever he is. Uh, thank you for that. That was a lot of fun and, and it will always be a key part of my memory of this show. Thanks, Jason. I enjoyed almost every episode of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry I super didn't enjoy an episode and some stuff after it. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. This is the series finale of, nope, it's just another episode of The Incomparable, but we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones again, probably, um, for a very, very long time. Maybe when George writes another book. <laughs> episode 1000 <laughs> until then I would like to say goodbye to my guest uh, Dan Morin who's written two books in the time that uh, George R. R. Martin has not written any thank you <laughs> wow well, let's put that on my bio somewhere thank you it was nice to be here <laughs> Kathy Campbell thank you thank you so much for having me Kelly Gamont thank you thanks so much for having me on the show and Monty as always thank you thank you Jason and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will be back next week with something entirely different. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.